0: Welcome to Jumping Bomb Audio.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Jumping Bomb Audio, the world's number one podcast all about Joshi Pro Wrestling. My name is Taylor, and I am joined for the last time in the year 2021 by my co-host Kelly. Kelly, how's it going?
2: Yeah, I'd like to announce that I'm leaving the show for the rest of 2021. that has wow. been a good ride. Um, yeah, I'd like to thank Taylor for having me on this year and uh you know i'm really excited to come back next year it's gonna be gonna be exciting
1: yeah your first uh full year it will be 2022 uh on this podcast uh we've got a lot to talk about on this episode this is going to be our award year end episode whatever you want to call it we are going to go into all the awards uh the
2: 47th that- <clears> Annual <throat> Jumping Bomb Audio Joshi Pro Wrestling Awards. The stars yes. are out tonight. Look over there. You see. You see over there. There's Aaron Bentley hanging out by the bar, tipping his cap to us and saying thanks for keeping the things going. Uh, who's Who's that over there? Oh, is that Rossi? That's Rossi. Yeah, he's
1: ready to present an award tonight. But before we jump into that, first we gotta say. Uh, follow us. If you're not following us yet on Twitter, you can follow us at jbombaudio. Audio. Uh, you'll want to follow that. as I just mentioned, we won't have an episode in two weeks, uh, but I do plan on dropping some reviews on that Twitter account. So if you are wondering what I think about some upcoming shows, that's the place to find out. Or you can follow us individually. Kelly is at Comic Geek Kelly on Twitter, and I am at TayMambo. Also, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you download them. And if that happens to be on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review. We would really appreciate it. And if you're feeling extra generous, you can donate to the show at redcircle.com slash shows slash jumpingbombaudio. So as I said, this is our award uh, year-end episode, so we are just going to jump uh, right into it. A bit strange, a lot of Joshi news coming out uh, in the past two weeks. Uh, People leaving Ice Ribbon, uh, some people leaving Tokyo Joshi, things like that. Uh, But we will see how that all plays out in 2022. But we're going to dive right into the awards now. We're going to start uh, just sort of in the way that these are organized on this list. Uh, we're going to start with the Best Booker Award. Uh, Kelly, I'll turn it over to you for who you thought was the Best Booker of 2021.
2: All right. For Best Booker, I went with Emmy Sakura from uh, Gato Move slash Choco Pro. Uh, we weren't, I mean, we all kind of figured it was uh, Emmy that was doing the booking, but you know, we, we weren't sure 100%, but it became very clear once she left and the booking went kind of downhill from there. Uh, there's no longer the tight kind of season long story arcs that they were doing. It's just kind of here's a wrestling show and like her, her stuff is awesome. Um, we'll talk about it more later in feud of the year. Uh, but yeah she put together some really great programs on that show
1: I should also say i totally uh, skipped something which i had planned on doing and then uh, already forgot I guess we should also start <laughs> with uh we should start with Kelly. what did you think about the year overall in joshi what are your sort of overall thoughts on uh, what went down in 2021?
2: It was a weird year because like and i this isn't even just like, for Joshi no one really had a great year like no one really had like oh my god this is the the, by far the promotion of the year or by far the best the wrestler of the year like no one really had that there's a lot of good like a lot a lot of good stuff but no not like that top top level for me so it was a weird year
1: it was a weird year for me as well uh looking you know sort of compiling some of these categories especially uh, match of the year, which we'll get to closer to the end of the show. It certainly for me was the sort of most down year I can remember. And this is sort of across all uh, wrestling, but Joshi um, included in that, that, you know, my ratings I can sort of consistently sort of count on. Not that I sort of aim for this every year, but I'm like, I'm going to have a certain number of matches that I probably think are like five star matches. Then I'm going to have some that are maybe a little bit lower than that. And this year, I those numbers were way down. I don't know how many you know, total four star plus matches I had, but it felt way down. It feels a lot to me like last year with everything that went on and things shutting down that a lot of these companies got uh, very sort of creative in the way that they presented their shows, uh, whether that be in how they, you know, send it out to the world, you know, streaming, things like that, or just sort of the format of some of these shows, the way that they're structured. I thought that there was a lot of uniqueness there that really helped sort of keep uh, the level up, you know, keep interest, things like that. And it felt a lot in 2021 with really all promotions like, It was sort of like, well, we've got to just get back to normal and we've got to do what we've done before, even though, I mean, especially in America, I know that this is true, that there's sort of this thing where it's like, well, this is done, so we've got to move forward. But clearly it isn't done.
0: In Japan, they're still, yeah, they're still,
1: yeah. In (laughs) Japan, they're still just clapping. And I have to say, for me personally, that is a thing that, I think when it started, I was like, this is not great, you know, but I'll sort of live with it. And then there was a period where I was like, this actually actively sort of annoys me that this is still happening. And now I think we've sort of hit the point where it's a sort of built in part of all of these shows that actively detracts for me without, you know, I don't think about it much anymore, but it's just sort of always there being like, oh. This is holding the show back. And that's no one's, you know, it's no company's fault or anything like that. But for me, I think it was a tough year. Um, I'm hoping in 2022 that things change because I would like to, you know, see some of these shows. I'd like to see these big stardom shows with, you know, fully reactive crowds, because I think it's going to help really every promotion. It's going to help all of these shows. Even if if it's just a little extra, that little extra can turn it from a show that you think, oh, the show is OK to like, oh, I really enjoyed the show.
2: Yeah, I will. Though, Taylor, I don't know if you know this, but the Japanese crowds are very respectful. They're very quiet.
1: They're all imagining they're watching Young Bucks matches. Yes. Uh, <laughs> over and over again. Uh, but yeah, so that it's just sort of now like a baked in thing that I don't think about. But then when I think about like, Oh, why am I not really like, why didn't I enjoy this year as much? It's very clear that it's like, well, that is a huge factor to this. Not that there was nothing good that went on as we'll see, as we go through these awards, I found a lot of positive things. Some of these categories I was like, Oh yeah, here's a great candidate, you know, for whatever category it was. But just sort of a strange year. And I'm also, you know, we've been doing this podcast now for a year and, you know, nearly two years at this point. And, you know, we've been doing the podcast the entirety during COVID. Our first episode was really the start of COVID. We've never done an episode of a show that has a full crowd that can fully react. And, you know, that may change a lot of, the reactions on the show, I don't know. It's you know now. It's been so long. I have no idea, but uh, we'll see. And I have my fingers. I have my fingers crossed. You know, for wrestling, but also for the world in general. I would like for this to be over.
2: It'd be nice. Uh,
1: but anyway, back to Best Booker. I interrupted the first award to uh, go backwards. My uh, vote was for, and I don't even know who this is. I don't know if people know who this is. Whoever books Tokyo Joshi. Uh, I thought they had a great sort of end to 2020 where they sort of connected a lot of the things in terms of telling stories, getting wrestlers uh, at a little bit higher level in ring wise, and then sort of keeping that uniqueness uh, to the promotion and the way that the characters are and things like that. And I just thought it's an excellently booked promotion. I mean, we talked about on the last episode about the Tokyo Joshi show, um, with this Maki Ito story where we were sort of in doubt, both of us were sort of in doubt about where the story was going to lead. And it turns out that they have this plan that they, that this story has multiple sort of segments to it. And I think that's really great. As people know, uh, I'm big into, you know, I like stories in wrestling. I like a lot of, you know, straightforward in-ring stuff, but if you get a great story behind it that's really what sells me on um, the wrestling that to me is the next at the next level
2: yeah who would be the funniest person to come out and be the Tokyo Joshi booker my vote is Antonio Honda
1: (laughs) I'm like who would it be that it like wouldn't or if it was like um, like Yukio Sakaguchi
2: that would be good
1: Just someone who's so serious
2: yes, that booking would be this good.
1: promotion that's largely like, you know, it has seriousness to it, but I don't think people would consider it. You know, it's not a comedy yeah. promotion.
2: Yeah, it's um, Sakaguchi and Huguchi uh, teamed up.
1: <laughs> Sakaguchi's like, I always want a Hyper Masao match on every card. And he's the yeah. one in the back determining what the gimmicks are of every match. <laughs> In this match, you're going to have a trivia. It's going to be trivia, and then you're going to abandon the trivia halfway through. The next award is for Best Major Show. For this award, we are going to give uh, three Best Major Shows, ranked 1, 2, 3. So I will throw it over to Kelly first for his three shows.
2: All right. In third place, I want Stardom, 10th Anniversary, Hinamatsuri, All-Star, Dream, Cinderella. Uh, that match, I think I had four matches that were four stars and above. So like that, that's a good ass card. So that's, that's why that ended up there. Uh, number two is the Hanakamura Memorial Produce, uh, show Matane. I mean, that kind of goes without saying that was a a really great show. Uh, and then my number one was Wrestle Princess 2. Uh, I love the top two on that show with the tag title match and then the, uh, Maki Ito versus Mio Yamashita match?
1: Uh, Three great choices, uh, one of which I will repeat, but the other two uh, would have been probably in my top five, if not top 10, would have been very close. Uh, The first one I had was Ice Ribbon from April 24, Spring is Short, Fight Girl was the name of the show. Uh, That was the show with both Suzu Suzuki versus Masashi Takeda. And the first of the Fujimoto uh, Sakushi um, Infinity title matches. They oh, also had a great. Show. They also had a great tag title uh, match on that show, which was uh, Sarah and Yukihi against uh, Matsumoto and uh, Haragi Kirumi, uh Which so just three great uh, matches. I thought the undercard was really good. I think Ice Ribbon really puts on their sort of floor of the quality of, it, especially the big shows, is, is pretty high for me. So I wanted to sort of acknowledge that was a show that stick that stuck out for me. Uh, my number two, the one that I share with Kelly, is the Stardom 10th Anniversary show, a show that I thought really was excellent. I didn't really think that there were any uh, bad matches. You know, some people didn't love the um, Battle Royal was it battle Royal or was it a a rumble, whatever they called it. Um, But I enjoyed it. I liked that they brought people back. I liked that they had the marvelous involvement. Um, Thought they did a great job, you know, building a big stakes uh, hair match in the main event with Julian Tom. So overall a show like Kelly, I had a lot of high uh, rated matches on that show and I thought it was excellent. But my number one show Uh, was Gaiaism, Decade of a Quarter Century from June 13th, 2021. Uh, Just exactly a show for me. The way it was presented, it felt like a big deal. I felt like they had a lot of really great variety on the show. They had the hardcore match. They had sort of the uh, Legends match. Then the big main event that was great. So and it was presented in a way that just felt big with the music and the lights and the video board and everything just felt like a huge show. It was a show that had been uh, on hold for quite a while. And there was a lot of anticipation built up about that show. And I thought it sort of met or maybe exceeded uh, those expectations. So that was an easy choice for me for the number one show of the year.
2: Yeah, that was definitely, like, the biggest feeling show of the year. Like, it it felt like a big deal that it was happening.
1: Yeah, and I i mean, for me, I think that goes a long way to present it that way. I think partially because most Joshi shows, I would say 95% of Joshi shows, don't feel that way at all. Even these sort of big stardom shows you know, where they're drawing at that, you know, 1,200, 1,000, however many people. It, to me, feels big in a way that's just sort of like, we're in a big space, so this is a big show. I do sort of wish that Stardom would go a little bit um, bigger presentation-wise with some of their stuff in the way that, you know, someone like New Japan does, or even like this, like, It doesn't take a, you know, a life changing set or, you know, doing this or whatever. It's like add some lights, add a big video board, add some, you know, stuff like that. And that can really plus a show uh, in a major way.
2: Oh, definitely. For sure. I will say, though, decade of a quarter century, every time I hear that name, my brain just starts doing calculations of like, what the fuck does that mean?
1: Um it means 10 years of 25 years. Yeah. It's like you the know.
2: the gif of the the I can't remember what actress it was at the award show oh, and you yes. just see like all the math equations going on behind her head while someone else <laughs> is talking. Like that's me.
1: The next award is the rookie of the year award and we had one pick for this. I'll go first this time. My pick was uh, from Tokyo Joshi, Yuki Arai was my pick. I think there was a lot of good um, options, especially in to- just Tokyo Joshi, frankly. But I think Yuki Arai really showed up, Was a big feels like a big deal every time that she wrestles. I think that she's improved each match that we've seen of her. And I think that she's probably, of all the rookies, sort of looking at them, Um, Now, at the end of the year, seeing what they've done, she feels like the one with the most potential to sort of be a big deal. You know, some of that is helped by the fact that she's in SKE 48. So she has some sort of, you know, outside backing, I guess I would say. But just someone who really feels like they're improving a lot, maybe was not, um, you know, on day one debut. Maybe not the strongest debut of the year in terms of Tokyo Joshi rookies, but uh, the person who I think has the brightest future and really showed a lot of improvement throughout the year.
2: Yeah, I almost went with Yuki Rai once I saw that Taylor did because she slipped my mind, but I also went with someone from Tokyo Joshi. Uh, I went with Arisu Endo, who looked great in her first match, just came out very polished already. Uh, She's had a great year. Uh, She's definitely going to be doing big things in that company. And uh, also, shout out to my uh, almost who I went with was Kayatora Bami, who also, another Tokyo Joshi rookie, who also came out looking very polished and just has a cool as hell gimmick and can fly around really good. Uh, She just hasn't had as much uh, in-ring as Endo has, and she's kind of disappeared for the rest of the year for whatever reason. I I'm guessing school. That's my guess at least. But yeah, uh Tokyo Joshi killed it with rookies this year.
1: <laughs> yeah, a great year for them for rookies. Uh the other, I'm just trying to think of uh, I think Riko Kaiju would count in the sort of if we're thinking of it in the um wrestling observer requirements. I think would count. She would be one who would be up there. Uh, Kelly, are there any other, I'm um, now I'm just trying to think.
2: Yeah. I can't really think of anyone else. Cause I feel like anyone in like Choco pro had already been around for a while, but no one really stands out from their current crop of rookies to me very much. That being said, the... actually with um, kind of Choco pro rookies, uh, Sayaka is definitely coming up, and she actually had a great match with uh, Rina Yamashita recently.
1: The next category is the most underrated category. Now, I believe in the Wrestling Observer terminology, this means under pushed. Uh, but we can go, you know, underrated, under pushed, either one. I went with, of course. Uh, shock of shocks, I went with uh, Momo Watanabe. Uh, I know this may be a slightly controversial pick. There's a lot of people who think, oh, she's very young. And she has many years ahead of her to uh, move back up the card. Um, but I think she's probably, certainly in terms of Joshi, maybe in the top five or ten wrestlers in the entire world. And uh, really didn't do Very much of note this year. Uh, Got some glimpses of hope throughout the year. But to me, she's super talented. And after living through the era of Jungle Kiona, constantly being told, oh, it'll happen next time. Oh, they're building, you know, they're building it up and it'll be really great when she wins it next time. I don't have any faith that Momo Watanabe will move back up the card. And so... She was my easy pick. She was literally the only person I really thought of uh, for this category.
2: So I went with underrated more as like underappreciated almost. Uh, so I went with because underpushed is a bad choice now, especially because she just won the main title in her company. <laughs> uh, my choice was Sakushi Haruka. Uh, she had a great year. Just one of my favorite wrestlers to watch. Just mean as hell. I'd never want to wrestle her because she'll use a shoot headbutt as a transition move. Like just fucking awesome and so mean and not enough people talk about how great she is.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great as you said, she just won the uh, Infinity title, so maybe not under Um But I think every year that she is underrated by really not so much by sort of Joshi fans like a lot of people. Uh, listening to this may be like oh my god i love her but she's someone who weirdly for having been around so long and i think she's a wrestler who has sort of the highest um floor of someone who i'm like i need someone to deliver me a good match yeah like right now she would she would be on the short list of people where i'm like she will deliver a good match and i know it Very consistent, but just someone who in a weird way has not broken through sort of to the larger wrestling world in a way that some of these other, you know, I'm thinking of like Chihiro Hashimoto, you know, even if you're not a huge Joshi fan, there are probably a lot of wrestling fans who know who Chihiro Hashimoto is just because she has great matches and some of those matches have managed to sort of reach the wrestling world at large where sakushi has all these good matches and they don't seem to get the same amount of attention and i think she deserves the attention because i think she's an excellent uh wrestler
2: yeah ice ribbon as a whole really doesn't kind of penetrate the joshi bubble like they rarely have matches kind of go outside of that like i i remember last year you and I had a hell of a time getting people to watch the uh, Risa, Sarah, Rene, Yamashita deathmatch.
1: Yeah, I think some of that, it, you know, some of the shows air on Samurai, but a lot of them are on Nico. And I think Nico, especially now, is becoming a slightly more difficult system to sort of get people into, especially the way that it's set up with ice ribbon, where you have to be sort of like signed up for their Nico. And then they have these pay-per-views, you know, with the larger world outside of Joshi, a lot of times these things sort of come down to, is it a easily convenient match for me to find? Yeah. Do I have to, you know, any payment you have to make makes it slightly harder. You know, Stardom has Stardom World, which is good because, you know, there is payment there, but you can just point and go, oh, it's there. It's on demand. It's good quality. Things like that. Where it's harder to, I mean, as someone who often buys these Ice Ribbon uh, pay-per-views on Nico, it's sometimes difficult for me, and I've done it a number of times, As opposed to someone who's never done it being like, oh, yeah, go over there. And then you use your credit card to um, get points. And then you use the points to buy the pay-per-view and the pay-per-views here and it's available, you know, at this period of time. You know, and for some people, there's so much wrestling going on in the world that any little block and they're like, I'll just watch something else.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, the, the smile points are a stumbling block there. Every month I get a email from my credit card being like, Hey, you got charged twice. And every month I'm like, no, they're for two different things. <laughs> it's they're both yes, they're both for Nico Nico, but like they're two different things. I, I've told you guys like every every month for the past year. Just please stop flagging it.
1: <laughs> the next category is most overrated. So the opposite of most underrated, this would be I guess termed as most overpushed. Uh I uh, in all honesty and this is not to, you know, try and make myself look good. I could not think of anyone and um I'm here looking at Kelly's pick. I'm going to throw it over to Kelly and then shockingly um I am actually going to argue with Kelly on his point because I disagree. Oh, no. But I'll let I'm- I'll let Kelly I'll <laughs> let Kelly kick it off cuz I think this is going to be very controversial. Kelly uh, the Kelly Award
2: for most mean person is Kelly. Um I voted for Utami, uh just because I mean she's very pushed. Uh I don't entirely think she's there yet. I think I think she's very good, as she is, but I think she's still got a lot of room to grow. And it's almost I think there's people in the company who could be better served being higher on the card now.
1: So, I will say that I disagree. I disagree with this because I think at the time, like in the build up to her winning the title, I mean, I know on this podcast we were strongly like, she needs to win the title to give someone a chance because you can't just sit on Mayu forever. So I think it was the right decision to give her the win and then I think when she won she was not it was sort of like winning to get her to that next level. And you have to sort of have her win a bunch to establish her as at that level, the sort of top tippy top level. I'm not sh- I I do agree with you in that I'm not sure that it's clicked all the way in in the way that it would have had this sort of gone. If we were like, this went perfectly, she feels like a huge deal and she's the big star of the company, but I don't fault stardom for either do having her be the champion, having her be the champion this long, sort of everything that they've done makes sense in the vacuum of like trying to, get her to be this humongous star. And I will say that, you know, the, you know, the houses have grown, you know, when they first started doing these shows, they were doing 900, 1000, 1050. And now they're doing, you know, 1100, 1200, you know, it's not a huge explosion of people, you know, you're not going from 1000 to 2500 or something. But it is COVID and there are restrictions still, as we talked about. And so I think that she has been put in the spot maybe even before she was ready for it because that's what the company needed. And I think she's sort of performed admirably, even though it's not a sort of title reign that I'm like, wow, I'm crazy about this title reign. It's so good.
2: Yeah. I mean, any kind of growth now is definitely something to be celebrated, but like... I wonder how much of that is Utami and just how much of that is the brand itself growing, you know, like I, I, if someone else was champion, would they be drawing this amount still? Like, I mean, it's, it's all what ifs, but who knows? Um, I do think that, you know, they do have another upper tier title. I would say you should have, they should have probably let uh, some of Tom's matches main event more often.
1: Yeah, it's... I mean, her run
2: hasn't been really good either, but, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. um, Yeah, it's just one of these weird things where I think stardom has, pl- like, sort of played both the title. Like, having Tom win it at the big show in a hair match, I was like, yeah, that's great. That gives the most momentum, and it feels like neither of them have gone perfectly but they've at least at least i can sort of look at the steps and be like i understand the steps yeah you haven't sort of nailed the process but i understand why we're moving from sort of like point a to point b to point c like i'm like i i get it it hasn't exactly worked but i understand so it's very like i thought about tom because i was because as we talked about last episode i think her title reign has been not really all that good but i understand why she's sort of in that position i understand that the promotion sort of put her in a very strong position to start with which i think was good um but this was sort of a reason why i didn't i couldn't think of anyone because you know we talked about it, Tommy tom but i'm like i can't really think of anyone like there's no one in tokyo joshi That I'm thinking, like, oh, this person is, you know, way over pushed because I think the people that they push are largely, you know, in that top tier are the best wrestlers in the company who usually deliver. I mean, the same with Ice Ribbon. I think Ice Ribbon's been good. And then Stardom, I'm like, well, you could say like Sayaka or someone like that. But I think that Unagi Sayaka has done a fairly. Good job. You know, I, I, I'm not blown away by her and she's moved up the card very fast, but I think that she's sort of served the purpose, the promotion needed her to serve. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it, yeah, it's, uh, it's sort of difficult. I sort of understand where you're coming from, but I can't really fault, you know, this happens sometimes, as I always say. If it was as easy as just picking someone, you make them the champion, and they freaking take off, then everyone would have wildly successful wrestling promotions. Um, but it's not the way it works. And so I sort of am like, yeah, okay.
2: Well, okay, we'll go with... Um, I mean, it's not Joshi, but it is women's wrestling. We'll go with the uh, your favorite, the four... Interchangeable blonde women that AEW puts in matches to make you watch.
1: Oh, don't get me started on the bunny. <laughs> uh this is not an AEW podcast. Um <laughs> the next category is best flying wrestler. Uh, and Kelly and I have the same pick for yep. this, our pick for this award, Starlight Kid. Um, you know, best flying wrestler for Joshi feels sort of um, like a small category, and I don't know if I would look at Starlight Hidden and be like, she's a flying wrestler. Um, but I also feel like I wanted to get her in one of these awards because I think she had a great year, and it's sort of the category that fits her best. Um, and she's sort of high speed, which is sort of you know tangential to best flying wrestler. I mean, I guess you could say. Like, Saya Kamatani, you, you know, Asuka is a good one. Um, But yeah, Starlight Kid was sort of an easy pick for me. Uh, For this category, what about you, Kelly? Uh,
2: Yeah, I mean, Starlight Kid, I think really it just comes down to the smoothness of her moves. Because, like, Saya is, you know, she does a lot of high-flying stuff, but a lot of it doesn't look smooth. (laughs) a lot of it looks kind of rough but like starlight kid everything comes off just so polished and just like picture perfect so it's like she 100 is the best high-flying wrestler in joshi for me
1: yeah so sort of a straightforward uh category i didn't consider you know sae i think sae has a lot of positives but she's still very young into her career and i think there's still a lot to um sort of smooth out there as i think that i think that almost coming into joshi as sort of a hyper athletic um person i mean i think this could maybe apply to you know all women's wrestling really uh as i think about aew again but this is not an AEW podcast um
2: you know, let's make it an AEW podcast for just a brief second. <laughs> I was I, going to throw okay. down a category uh, earlier today of best Joshi match in the States.
1: Do you now, have in the States for or for a company that is operates in the States?
2: Uh, I would say in the States.
1: <sighs> okay. I was well, so my pick would be
2: from the recent GCW show, the Rina Yamashita versus Charlie Evans death match. Like that was probably my favorite match that a Joshi wrestler was in in the states this year.
1: Because my pick would have been that six woman tag from the, um, the AEW Women's Tournament.
2: Oh, the one at the uh, Ice Ribbon thing, Dojo?
1: The, yeah, the one that was the Ice Ribbon Dojo. So technically it was aired on American, you know, it was aired on YouTube. Um, but it did take place in Japan, but it wasn't American. That would be my, like, when yeah, you that said that, good. that was like an easy first because I really liked that match. I thought it was really good. Um versus, like, um, uh, fuck, what's her faced, name? Aniki. I can't off. think of her name. Ryo Mizunami. Thank
2: you. <laughs> that their match at whatever AEW pay-per-view oh, yes, was earlier fair. in the year. I really liked that.
1: Um But yes, but anyway, back to my point. Uh, <laughs> was that I think for highly athletic women coming into Joshi or just women women's wrestling, it is harder because you don't have the you that isn't a common type. So you come in and you're sort of not like other, you know, you're not like most of the other wrestlers like Kayatora Bami sort of also got this where she came in and it was like, wow, she's got these like crazy high flying maneuvers that are really cool. And then it sort of feels like they come in and it's like, wow, this is you've got great maneuvers. And then you sort of have to stick with those because then you start sort of on the bottom of the card and the people you're wrestling don't have the ability to sort of match your athletic level and that can sometimes hold them back. I mean, I've talked about Asuka on this show that for the first few years, it felt like she was having to hold back some of her skills with the people she wrestled. Then she sort of started more intergender stuff. And I think she sort of figured out, it was a long figuring out process of how do I sort of mesh my skills, which are maybe at a higher level in terms of just what I can do basically with maybe someone who isn't at that level but can do other things. I think Asuka's done a very good job at that now, but I think it just takes a little bit longer for people like that and I think we're seeing that as I've talked about with Saya Kamatani, sort of having to figure out the mixture of matching the wrestling style with the people she's in the ring with while also being able to mix in these more high flying athletic maneuvers
2: yeah because like as like joshi is more of a high speed style overall but like you don't see a ton of flyers it's kind of interesting
1: the next category up is best brawler and for the second category in a row uh, kelly and i had the same pick this pick was uh another fairly easy one for me there's really one other well maybe a couple other wrestlers i could have gone with uh, best brawler i went with suzu suzuki kelly you went with suzu suzuki as well Hell yeah. uh, tell us about why you made that pick
2: i mean i always kind of take like the best brawler category to almost be more of like hardcore that kind of style just cuz i think is it's kind isn't it like the bruiser brody award or something like in the yeah Observer. i mean that's
1: always the way i mean some people see it as like like if ishii gets it yeah like that's sort of a brawler but i also think like i think maybe uh takeda won it a couple years ago so i i think it is covered by sort of or hardcore is covered in the idea of of being a brawler
2: yeah and like to me no one did hardcore in joshi this year as well as suzu suzuki did and it was like a transition almost like she didn't start doing this until this year. And all of a sudden it's like, Hey, I want to be a hardcore wrestler. It's like, okay, cool. And then she went out and just was like, I'm going to wrestle all these deathmatch dudes. And I'm going to have bangers with each one. And it was awesome. She had a great like deathmatch trial series. And she's gone on and had a bunch more ma- great hardcore matches. Like she's, I mean, o- just overall, one of the best death match wrestlers of the year not just in Joshi.
1: Yeah, I will talk uh, more. uh, This is a little bit of a spoiler. I will talk more about Suzu Suzuki uh, coming up, but I thought that she was far and away, you know, in terms of brawler, I include hardcore in that as well. So I thought that she was far and away. I mean, the other ones are like the standbys, like Risa Sarah, uh, Rina Yamashita. Those are sort of the people you could always vote for in this category. And then, you know, like someone sort of out of left field, like Hikari Noah. Um, but Hikari, no, it was sort of like, oh, this is a fun diversion. Whereas Suzu felt like, oh, this is my thing. Like this is my thing now. Yeah. The next category, uh, our third consecutive matching answer here, the best technical wrestler. Uh, this one might've been maybe the, if not the easiest category. Uh, one of the easiest categories for me of the night. Uh, I went with Shuri. I thought she had a great year. I think she's one of the best technical wrestlers around, uh, really inside Joshi or outside of it. Um, So this was, a, I mean, had, of course, excellent matches throughout the whole year, really um, came across strong at all times. I think she was someone who sort of, really built up her year based on purely her own skill. Like, I don't think it was even particularly like stardom was saying, okay, we really got to push Shuri a lot. Like, I think it was just, she went in the ring and she was like, I'm going to have great matches and I'm going to make people pay attention to me. And that brought her, I think more attention with the audience, but also with stardom itself. And I think that she's gotten a lot of opportunities through her hard work and, and good matches.
2: Yeah. I mean, really, you just have to go with how many people have watched and have just praised the Siri versus Utami match. Like that, that, that one is definitely something that broke through the Joshi bubble. And that's, that's Siri. Like she's had an awesome year. Uh, I'd, don't have any other choices for this category. It had to be her.
1: Yeah, I'm trying. I mean, I didn't even think like some of the other categories. I thought, OK, here are the options, you know, ABCD. This one, I was like, oh, it's Yuri. I didn't even really think I'm trying to think now, like who even I would consider. And I can't even really think of anyone. Um, that gets that gets close for me. So yeah, that was like I was uh, thinking
2: like Konami, maybe, but like. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like have sometimes the highs of theory.
1: Yeah, when you're like, oh, like this person is far away, and then you're like, oh, I'm trying to think of other people. You just sort of think of other people who are like in that style. Like I think Konami had a solid year, but I think it's largely like, well, she's someone we think of as a technical wrestler. Yeah. So she'll sort of always get some consideration for this category. Cause sometimes people are just like, uh, like uh who do I pick? Oh, I don't know. And if there isn't a great pick, you know, you can sometimes sneak in just being known for, you know, I think that's sometimes in Brawler, I talk about Ishii getting in. I think sometimes that's what happens when people are like, oh, I don't know about Brawler. Oh, I'll give it to Ishii because he's really good.
2: Yeah, that's like if I was doing like a technical wrestler just in men's Japan, I'd be like, I, I don't know. I haven't really watched New Japan, but uh, Zack Sabre Jr.
1: yeah exactly the next category is most charismatic and i will let kelly go first kelly who did you vote for for most charismatic
2: i went with maki ito almost entirely based on how easily she made the AEW fans like fall in love with her in like the course of a night and just how she went from who the hell is this to suddenly like the most over person on the roster <laughs> in a match. Like it, it was, it was amazing. She's great at what she does. And I just knocked over my toys. Uh, fantastic, charismatic wrestler.
1: I was close to putting Maki Ito. Cause I sort of sat and I thought, Oh, who could it be? I think Ito is sort of the obvious one as someone who got over very well in America Uh, But I, at the end of the day, did not go with Maki Ito. I went with the unfortunately recently retired uh, Hibiki um, just because I loved the uh, story at the first half of the year of sort of her uh, going against Marvelous, going against Sendai Girls, uh, getting on the megaphone at these shows, interrupting shows. I just thought that was really cool. I thought she uh, pulled it off really well. Thought it was super interesting, you know. I'm not sure if it was booked to perfection. Uh, Some of it was fairly confusing, and then of course it ended um, with her leaving and then retiring. So it's sort of a little bit of a letdown there. But um, I just thought it was a great character. I thought it was really unique. I thought she pulled it off really well. So she would be my uh, pick for most charismatic.
2: Yeah, I mean, everyone Um, thought it was a shoot at
1: first. Well, everyone thought it was a shoot, and then there was, like, apologies, but then it came back again, and it sort of disappeared for a while, and then it wasn't clear what was happening, um, and it, of course, led to the Gaia, um, Gaiaism show, um, with a a great hardcore match that I really liked. Um, But I just thought she pulled it off well. You know, some of that can be... You know, sometimes in Joshi, people don't really have that sort of personality of like, I'm going to get on a megaphone in the middle and be like, you suck and you're horrible and I hate you. (laughs) Um, That it was very different. And I thought that, you know, it could be in the wrong hands. It could have, you know, come off a lot worse. Um, And I think that she just uh, did a great job with it.
2: Yeah, no, definitely.
1: The next category is most improved. I will throw it over to Kelly once again to give his thoughts first.
2: And I, once again, went with Maki Ito. Uh, she had an awesome year, like just really, really good matches in ring. Uh, the, char- the charisma is always there, but I feel like now she's really stepped up her in ring to match the level of charisma that she brings to the matches.
1: I went, uh, another very good pick, uh, one I agree with, but I went a different direction. I went with Ibuki Hoshi, uh, someone I thought really stepped up this year in Ice Ribbon. And with the news of all of these uh, various people leaving to form uh, prominence, there is going to be some spots, and I think Ibushi Hoshi is someone who could step into uh, one of those spots, someone who sort of at the beginning of the year, um, you know, in promotions, you sort of have the people where you're like, OK, this person, I don't really feel strongly about them either way. Um, they're in matches. They're fine. They're not, you know, actively detracting, but not really adding. And I thought Hoshi really turned into someone who I was um, pretty excited to see had a great match with uh, Sukasa Fujimoto. Um, in the second half of the year. So I thought just a very strong year and someone someone I'm definitely going to be keeping my eye on in 2022.
2: Yeah, no, she really kind of opened my eyes with that Fujimoto match. So I, th- I think their ice ribbons, it, their ice ribbons going to be hurting a bit with some of the losses, but having people like Hoshi in their back pocket will definitely help things.
1: Yeah, they have a number of people where I'm very interested to see now that sort of the spots are open, sort of do they have these people, you know, do they bring in different people? They certainly could from, you know, actress girls closing or things like that. Or do they rely on some of these sort of mid-card people to, you know, giving them the boost sort of in a way that um, happened with Tokyo Joshi, Tokyo Joshi lost a few people and it was like, Oh my God, they're losing these people. And they managed to find, you know, some people in the mid card or maybe the lower mid card or wherever you want to say that they were and sort of boost these people up and give them an opportunity. And a lot of those people seized the opportunity and did very well, um, which is always exciting to see. So hopefully that's what happens. You know, my hope is always that all of these companies uh, do very well because when they do well, um, the shows are good and that's better for me as someone who watches. The next category is feud of the year. Uh, mine, I already talked about a little, a few minutes ago. Mine was Hibiki versus marvelous Sendai girls, that whole contingent. I just thought it was a fun sort of out of the box, uh, story. Wasn't really sure as Kelly said at the beginning, what, exactly was going on i sort of like that sort of unknown quality to wrestling storyline sometime where you're like hey what is going on what's this person doing what part of this is maybe real what part of it is not real um so just one that i i super enjoyed and of course leading into led into my as i said my favorite show of the year so that was an easy pick for me kelly what did you pick
2: Uh, I went with, from uh, Move slash Pro the feud between Lulu Pencil and Chris Brooks. Uh, This goes back to what I was saying earlier with Emi Sakura being uh, the best booker. Uh, This was an incredibly well-built story with Brooks coming in as part of the Pencil Army and eventually leaving and becoming the top heel in the company and just running down Lulu Pencil and constantly telling her that she sucks and should quit and all encapsulated or uh, culminated in an Iron Man match between the two of them which ended with Brooks winning but Lulu was able to get a single fall over Brooks which was the most important victory of the match just a really really great story and probably my feud of the year just overall in wrestling too
1: yeah that was an excellent a uh, feud that I really enjoyed, and that was sort of the last, unless I'm not remembering something. Sort of the last feud of when you were talking about Emmy sort of leaving. Yeah, and like the that's the changing. last
2: hurrah, pretty much.
1: Yeah, that felt sort of like the last um, of that sort of originally, like original Chaco Pro, like long sort of storylines, full filled, filled with emotion. And things like that that was sort of the last uh of those um to me yeah same so the next category is uh, i'm flipping this around we're gonna go tag team of the year um for this one we made three choices uh, my three choices were in third, Azure Revolution, the team of Risa, Sarah, and Maya Yukihi from Ice Ribbon. In second place, the Bashiki Goon team of Saki Sama and May San Michelle. And in number one, from Stardom, the Alto, Liveo, Kabaliwan team of Julia and Shuri. Um, you know... Some of this was not super cut and dry. I didn't have a lot of candidates for this. Um, I actually sort of struggled for the third team, and I thought, you know, Risa Sera and Mayuki, he had a, you know, very strong year, but sort of an under the radar year. That's why they got um, third. I thought Niu Bashiki Gun uh, did very well. You know, they were sort of the force in the tag division in Tokyo Joshi for the middle part of the year, and I thought did very well. I thought adding May San Michelle to the group and to this team was really an inspired choice. And then, you know, Julia and Shuri, they're a team that I think others are probably even higher on. Uh, There's probably a lot of people who agree that they would be number one, but would have them, you know, head and shoulders above everyone else. Um, I just thought that they were a really strong presence in, you know, for when they were together before Julia's injury. They were a really strong presence in that stardom tag team division that really needed some continuity to it. You know, a really strong team to come in. I always like, you know, two singles wrestlers. If they're not doing anything, like put them in a team. Cause that's fun. Cause they're two good wrestlers and it's fun to see them wrestle together. And I thought Julian Shuri had a number of great matches, uh, really did well for obviously the biggest company in all of Joshi. So those were my three picks for Tag Team of the Year. Kelly, what were your three picks? Uh,
2: I went with, in number three, Neo Bishikigun. Uh, number two was Azure Revolution. And then my number one was uh, Best Bros, Balianaki and Mesa Ruga. Uh, I think all three teams had a great year. Neo Bishikigun is aesthetically the best tag team, maybe of all time. Love them. They're great. Uh your revolution always delivers they're just a great team have really good chemistry together and best bros they had probably just like in terms of star ratings easily my top rated team of the year they had a ton of killer matches in the first half of the year and in the second half too not as much but they they had a great great year
1: The next category is we get close to the top here promotion of the year. And, uh, Kelly, I think is going to bring some more controversy with his picks. So Uh I'll let him go first.
2: (laughs) Uh, promotion of the year. Number three is ice ribbon. Uh, I really just love the, the variety that ice ribbon brings to their shows. And I'm going to, I'm going to just recommend myself to go watch WWE right now for no reason. Uh, number two is Gato Move uh, slash Choco Pro. Again, I think they would, they probably would have been number one for me if the quality of the booking hadn't fallen off as much as it did after Emi Sakura left for America. And my number one is Tokyo Joshi. Uh, just a great year overall. Uh, bunch of new good rookies coming up. Really well-built stories at the top of the card, great tag division, just up and down the card, really well-booked and well-put-together, and a great, pretty deep roster at this point. So yeah, I Tokyo Joshi, far and away from me, the best company of the year.
1: My three were number three. I also had Ice Ribbon. Um, You know, there's some rightful concern about the people leaving, but that is a question for 2022. And I think that their 2021 was very strong. I think that they, as Kelly said, have good variety. They run interesting storylines. They had a very talented roster, really up and down. A lot of different options for all different kinds of matches, things like that. So they were my number three. Number two was Tokyo Joshi. I think if I were rating this solely based on my personal uh, preference, Tokyo Joshi would have been number one. I think that they have really, as I said, nailed that mix of their sort of character uh, stuff, the in-ring stuff um, and storyline really a great mesh of all three of those things. And I think they had a very successful year in terms of sort of creativity, in-ring stuff. Um, The sort of drawing the fans in still is not there. How much is that due to COVID? Unsure. But my number one was stardom. Uh, Stardom is not, as anyone who listens to this podcast knows, I don't think stardom is in any way... Uh, a perfect promotion. I think they have a very strong in-ring product. Um, And it's clear over the year that they are by far the most popular Joshi promotion. They've drawn the most they had by really all accounts a wildly successful year um, in terms of bringing in fans. They had a huge match in the middle of the year that really caught the attention of the wrestling world. Um, So it was very difficult for me to have them anywhere else, except for number one, because I think, as I said, by all accounts, a really uh, successful year from them. And we will see what um, 2022 holds as hopefully we get sort of into more of a regular, normal world. Will they be running these? you know, 1, 1,200 people shows every few weeks. If the buildings become more expensive, that we don't know. Uh, we'll have to find that out. But in terms of this year, they were the most successful. So they were my easy number one pick. The next category I'm uh, we're going to go with is f- the Flair Thez Award. This is based on... The category is, I believe it's a combination of in-ring and also uh, drawing ability. So Kelly, I kick it over to you for uh, your three picks. Uh,
2: so I went with number three, Takumi Aroha, number two, Mio Yamashita, and number one, Utami hayashishita uh, In all honesty, I don't pay much attention to this kind of stuff. Like I, the drawing and stuff like i don't know that's not much of a concern for me so my picks are probably way off but i mean taylor and i do have the do have similar things so we'll see uh i went with aroha in number three purely because of how she's positioned in stardom as like she is brought like brought in as a draw and from another company so i figured that's that's pretty big so i made her number number three uh, Yamashita head of the number two company and then Atami head of the number one company. So I figure that's the, that's the best way to go about that.
1: Yeah. As you said, I'm very similar to you. I had Siri number three, uh, the in-ring stuff, and then being able to, you know, headline a show, but also then with the Julia stuff being sort of given the briefcase shows the company's, um, faith in her and building to that next big utami match but i had miyu uh number two and utami number one i mean i think utami is sort of the slam dunk uh pick for this she was the top um person top champion in the biggest uh joshi company in all of japan by you know a pretty wide margin uh miyu you know as i said I think the Tokyo Joshi drawing has not sort of gone up in the way I would have hoped um, with the quality of the product that they're delivering. Um, But I think she had some great matches and, you know, that is a company that may be growing more slowly. Um, But she was my number two pick, but I'm sort of with you where this is sort of a less interesting. um, This is a less interesting category for me then the next category which is most outstanding which is based purely on in-ring um, quality so kelly who did you have for the three top three most outstanding joshi wrestlers of the year
2: all right i went with in number three miyu yamashida in number two sukasa Fujimoto, and in number one mei Ruga. uh miyu again awesome year she had Really great run at the top of the Tokyo Joshi uh, card. Sukasa Fujimoto kind of had a sneaky good year. Like, she was someone that I kind of forgot about until I was just going through my star ratings from this past year. It's like, oh, wow. Like, most of her big title matches are in this list. So, yeah, she had to end up in this because she had an awesome year and a bunch of great matches against a bunch of different opponents. And then I went with my number one, May Saruga, just one of the funnest wrestlers to watch. Just has a great matches with a, another a huge variety of opponents in both tag and singles. Uh, highly recommend checking out her match with uh, Mizuki from the, I believe the 100th uh, Choco Pro Show. That really gives you a kind of a look at how great she is as a singles wrestler without much of like Choco Pro Story stuff being integral part of it
1: my top three were uh, in third I had Suzu Suzuki in second I had Tsukasa Fujimoto and in first I had Siri Uh, Suzu Suzuki in number three you know I thought she was largely helped a lot by the booking but I think it was a great year for her in terms of you know she lost the title but i still feel like she was a major focus of the joshi sort of of the joshi world this year with the hardcore series had a number of great matches in that series and then of course out of that series and i just think it really showed her ability to sort of stay at that top level after losing the title would have been very easy for her to sort of slide down into the you know mid card and sort of linger there for a while after losing the title until she was ready to sort of move back up. Now of course is departing. Um, Ice ribbon, at least as a full-time roster member to go with the other members of prominence. So we will see what happens, but I thought that she just had a, had a great year, a lot of great matches. Uh, Sukasu Fujimoto. It's funny that you say that Kelly, because I believe back in April or maybe it was March or May or some sometime in the beginning of the year, I thought to myself, Tsukasa Fujimoto, if she keeps at this pace, is going to blow everyone else out of the water in, you know, wrestler of the year. She had the title and every single defense was like four and a quarter, four and a half, four stars. And then there was sort of the middle of the year where she wasn't bad, but she wasn't having those sort of top level matches. And then of course, all the stuff with Utami Suri happened and that sort of got buried in the background. And then I thought that she had sort of a strong end to the year with some, you know, the Hoshi match, the Sukushi match. And so she was an easy number two pick for me. I thought that she had a great year. Um, She sort of sometimes feels a bit like, uh, Sakushi in that I do feel like she's a bit under heralded outside of the world of outside of the world of Joshi. But I feel like the difference is that she often finishes very high. like amongst Joshi fans, they're like, Oh, like we both had her number two on most outstanding. I'm sure a lot of other people will have her very high. I feel like she gets a little bit more, um, shouts from Joshi fans. She feels a little bit more like, Hey, we're going to say every year, like she's one of the best. She's one of the best or Sakushi. Sometimes I think gets forgotten in that respect um, a little bit, but just another great year. Um, I mean, to me, Fujimoto is one of those, these people where, you know, we talk about the wrestling observer hall of fame. And, you know, in my opinion, we, we, at least for the next, I don't know, 15 years, we'll probably not see a single um, Joshi wrestler get in until maybe these stardom um, people sort of become eligible just because I don't think they will have the um, backing. But to me, if I were making a Hall of Fame, uh, especially a Joshi Hall of Fame, Fujimoto is in it easily with no oh, absolutely with no debate. Yeah, um, she, th-
2: she probably won't make the Dave's Faves Hall of Fame, though.
1: Um, and then my number one, Siri, I just thought the combination of great, you know, consistent, great in-ring matches throughout the year, um, having that huge match, being able to, as I said, sort of push herself up the card, um, really great. For the biggest company, you know, She feels like a big, she doesn't have, you know, she has the SWA title, which for many years was just sort of a like, yeah, we need another title match on the card. But the fact she doesn't have the wonder of stardom title, she doesn't have the world of stardom title, and yet feels sort of like part of that big three without it, um, is really a testament to me to her uh, ability. And then the last category here will be the match of the year. Kelly and I each have 10 matches. We're going to start at the bottom uh, with our number 10 match, and we'll alternate on this one, uh, make it a little bit more fun. But Kelly, do you want to go first with your number 10 pick?
2: I can absolutely go first. Uh, My number 10... Is an eight-man tag from Choco Pro Live no- number one hundred and ten. It is Best Bros, Balianaki, and Mesaruga teaming with Egg Tarts, which is Che Koshikawa and Hagane Ashino, taking on the Pencil Army of Emi Sakura, Lulu Pencil, Chris Brooks, and Minoru Fujita. Uh, this match was something like an hour and a half, if I remember correctly. <laughs> It did not. I mean, it felt long, but it was an incredibly well-built long match that told an amazing story. And this really kickstarted the my feud of the year or the Chris Brooks and Lulu Pencil feud. Uh, incredible match. Don't be daunted by the long runtime. It's really great. Uh, I went four and a half stars on this one. I kind of want to go back and rewatch it now. <laughs>
1: Well, I will stick in the same promotion and I will say that my number 10 match was from uh, Gotta Move Choco Pro 120 from just a few weeks later on May 25th, 2021. It was Emi Sakura, Lulu Pencil, and Minoru Fujita against Asuka, Chris Brooks, and Yuna Mizumori. This was all uh, a part of that. As Kelly mentioned the excellent Chris Brooks Lulu Pencil um, feud and Kelly I don't know if you remember this off the top of my head because I don't remember it. Is this the match that afterwards Chris Brooks cut that promo Do you remember what show that was
2: I'm trying to remember if the promo was in the pencil was, was in the match I was just talking about or if it was this one I know it was a tag a multiple person tag match it might have been this one
1: Because I will say separately um, from the match, which obviously I really enjoyed because it's my number 10 match of the year, that Chris Brooks promo is really in all of wrestling, not just in Joshi. It would easily be in Joshi, but in all of wrestling, the the promo of the year for me. Just brutal. (laughs) Just unbelievable. Like, you know, and for everyone who... You know, I think the outside perception of Choco Pro sometimes is like, oh, it's goofballs, you know, rolling around on mats, throwing, you know, basketballs at each other. But that promo, I mean, you could take that promo and put it in any promotion in the world and you would be like, whoa. You know, being like, you, you know, Emmy and Minoru, you're old and you're useless and you're just doing this to, you know, give Lulu sympathy. And it was just great. And I remember watching him being like, whoa. um i think it was after this match but my memory may be wrong but if it wasn't after this match whatever match it was after you should also go find that and uh watch that promo
2: now i want to make like a a comp tape an old school
1: comp tape of this feud (laughs) (laughs) kelly what was your number nine match of the year
2: uh my number nine match is something that we talked about fairly recently it was the uh ice x infinity title match between uh sakushi haruka and sukasa fujimoto uh from the ice ribbon show on november 13th uh this is where uh sakushi won the title and it was just an awesome hard hitting mean as hell match
1: My number nine was the Seedling Beyond the Sea, not across the sea Excalibur, Beyond the Sea, (laughs) uh, tag team title match between the Citrus Wind team of Arisa Nakajima and Nanai Takahashi, the champions going against Asuka and Makoto from Seedling, Shinkiba Knight on May 26, 2021. And actually, as I... So you're thinking about this? I'm like, oh, Citrus Wind maybe would have been a good pick for Tag Team of the Year, but they weren't together oh, yeah. all that. They weren't together all that long, uh, was the issue. But I love that tag rain. I thought Seedling had a really strong start to the year. They hit some bumps with uh, Yoshiko going out, and you know now Honorihana having to step away. But I really loved that period of Seedling uh, with the Asuka Makoto you know stuff and arisa and i teaming together and you know you sort of look at the four competitors in this match you can sort of imagine what the match might look like and that's what the match looked like you know very hard hitting uh quick paced so i thought overall an excellent match and my number nine match of the year kelly what was your number eight match of the year
2: my number eight match was for the Asia Dream tag titles. Uh, it was from Choco Pro Live number 136 on uh, July 19th. It was Best Bros Balianaki and Mesaruga defending their titles against Tropica Wild, uh, Saki and Yuna Mizumori. I believe this was the match that Tropica Wild uh, was given for winning the Chaco Pro Tag league. Uh, it's really great match. Uh, my Probably my favorite, uh, just, yeah, I think it is my favorite just 2v2 tag match of the year in Joshi. Uh, really good, just straightforward tag match. Uh, I went uh, four and three quarters on it. I was really happy with this one.
1: My number eight match was from the Suzu Suzuki Hardcore Determination 7 Match Series. It was the third match. Uh, between Suzu Suzuki and Masashi Takeda from Ice Ribbon, Spring is Short, Fight Girl, which was my number three show of the year on April 24th. This was the first match, the first two sort of hardcore matches that Suzu had. I was like, oh, these are sort of fun, you know, gives her the opportunity to do this hardcore stuff. This I remember being the first um, of these matches where I was like, oh, this is like a real hardcore, like this is like a actual Takeda hardcore match Is someone who's seen a lot of Takeda and sort of knows his style and knows that they're very like over the top, like they go big, they don't really hold back. And I thought that that's what this was. I thought it was super impressive. I thought it was a a super cool match. Um, You know, and as I said, it was sort of that first step up in this series where I was like, whoa, this is like real. They're not messing around. Um, and a match that I thought, uh, was really good and a lot of
0: fun.
2: Yeah. I, well, I'll talk more about that match in a, in a little while. Uh, my number was it seven. Yeah. Seven. Seven. My number seven was for the Princess of Princess title. It was Miu Yamashita taking on Maki Ito at Wrestle Princess 2 on October 9th. Uh, we've talked about this match at length over the past couple of weeks. Uh, just incredible storytelling. Uh, love these two against each other. Can't wait for whatever the next chapter in this story is. And I went uh, four and a half on this one, but like, kind of looking back, I'm might go a little bit higher in retrospect, but also, you know, memory uh, changes things a little bit.
1: (laughs) Well, funny enough, my number seven match, the Princess of Princess title match, Miyu Yamashita against Maki Ito from Wrestle Princess 2 on October 9th, 2021. It's funny that you said that about going back to rewatch because I went four and a half stars on it. And I do wonder, I'm a person who generally doesn't really go back and rewatch. You know, I know a lot of people spend December, you know, going back and like rewatching their being like, I'm going to assemble my favorite matches of the year. I'm going to go back and watch all of these matches that I liked. I am someone who generally doesn't do that. Um, I am always... Of the opinion, at least for myself, that the rating I give it the first time I watch it is the rating that it is, unless there's something like, oh my God, I get hugely distracted in the middle by a phone call or something and I have to, you know, stop. That's a different thing. Yeah. But I don't really go back and rewatch and I don't re-rate because it's not the same watching a match the second time, even if it's been, you know, 10 months. You've seen the match before, and so I believe the first rating is the most accurate rating. That being said, I think this might be an interesting match to go back and watch, knowing that I think some of it, the part of it that I didn't go higher is because at the end I was like, oh, Ito lost?
2: Yeah. I was like, that oh, that's sort of
1: weird. And now that I know that there's some continuation of the story, I do wonder if I went back and watched it knowing, okay. This isn't like an abrupt end of this story you thought was happening. If I would like it more, I don't know that I would. It might be canceled out by the fact that I've watched the match already. Um, but yeah, there's there's sort of that interesting twist of a lot of our thoughts talking about it after we watched it. We're like, what are they doing here? And now it's very clear, oh, they're doing something. Um, and so... Manned up higher, but still number seven for the year. So still a match I really enjoyed. Uh, Kelly, what was your number six match of the year?
2: Uh, My number six match was a match that was on the road to the previous match. It was uh, Maki Ito versus Mizuki from the Princess Cup Night Six on August 14th. Uh, I really, really loved the story in this match. Uh, Maki Ito's selling of her broken face. was incredible and these two have great chemistry i am i'm totally expecting them to at some point have another like a title match or something and will hopefully bring this level of intensity again because this match rocked
1: my number six match probably a lot of people listening to this will say it's too low but this is what it is the world of stardom title match between utami Hayashita and Shuri from Stardom Tokyo Dream Cinderella on June 12th, 2021. This is the match I very much expect to finish very highly in um, almost all the match of the year polls. Sort of that one match of the Joshi year. There's usually one a year that sort of pops out and gets a lot of talk. This was by far the clear winner of that. Um, I'm actually going to be very interested to see where this match finishes in the uh, voices of wrestling year end poll. Joshi has been improving every year. I don't remember how high they got last year, but I think just outside the top 10. Um, But I think with sort of a down year for new Japan, at least from Western interest point of view, it will be interesting to see if this can crack the top 10. You know, I hate to be like, oh, people are going to be disappointed. It was my number six match of the year um, and a match I thought was very good. But I'm sure that many people will probably have it slightly higher than I do.
2: Taylor, you want me to uh, take the heat off you real fast?
1: Uh, yes, because I think I know what you're going to say. So All right, uh, go right spoiler,
2: ahead. the match is not on my list. There we go. Weren't we, weren't, we,
1: weren't we very similar in that? Didn't we both have it at four and a half? Did you have it lower than that?
2: I had it at four and a half as well.
1: Okay. Yeah. I had it at four and a half and I will say that usually my year end list is like a few five star matches, then a few like four and three quarter matches, and then like maybe one or two, um, four and a half star matches. It's much lower than that. I think I have something like six or seven, four and a half star matches on the list this year. And there's a number of four-and-a-half-star matches that I could probably uh, flip onto this list. Um, These were sort of the ones I went on feel at four-and-a-half. You know, Julia Tom, I had at four-and-a-half, could have easily um, made it on this list. You know, there's a number of other ones. There's some other seedling ones, I think, that I had. There's some... I think one or two, maybe Tokyo Joshi. So, you know, these are the top 10, but there's a high number of, you know, it's not on your top 10, Kelly, but it, it's in that range, I would say. Oh, yeah,
2: it, w- it would be top 15, probably. Uh, I would probably, another match I don't actually have on my list is the uh, hair versus hair, uh, Tom versus Julia match. That would have been, that would end up higher on the list for me than the uh, Uchami Siri match. But again, both, very good matches that just were not in the top 10 for me uh
1: so now we are into the top five so kelly what was your number five match of the year
2: uh my number five was a match that you previously talked about it was uh masashi takeda taking on suzu suzuki uh I love this match. Uh this was one where I went back I didn't I didn't rewatch it, but like I went back and saw my rating was four and a half, and I was like, that seems low. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised I didn't go four and three quarters on it. Uh I love the story of this match. It's Takeda really feels like a slasher movie bad guy. Like he feels like he's he's Jason or Michael Myers here, who's just coming to kill suzu and nothing she does can really slow him down for the most part <laughs> like it's a brutal as hell match uh like you said the first two matches which i believe were against takashi sasaki and yuko miyamoto were more kind of like fun natured this one really felt like takeda was like look you want to be a death match wrestler fine you're gonna be a death match wrestler and they went for it uh this was absolutely brutal I loved it it's one of my easily one of my favorite death matches of the year yeah uh went and again I went four and a half pro in my in my memory like five star classic i I love this match I definitely need to go back and rewatch it like, going back to what you said, I used to be the guy that would go back and rewatch everything Like when it came match of the year time, but it's just like, I I don't have time for that. There's there's so much new stuff still coming where it's just like, they, there's not enough t- hours in the day for that anymore.
1: <laughs> yes, well, on that theme, my number five match was from the Suzu Suzuki Hardcore Determination seven-match series. It was the very next match, the fourth match, Uh, Suzu Suzuki versus Jun Kasai from Ice Ribbon, Yokohama Ribbon in Yokohama Radiant Hall on May 5th, 2021. I just remember that this was a match that just incredibly surprised me. You know, they had these shows at Yokohama Radiant Hall. It's a pretty, it's a smaller um, venue. And I sort of went into these expecting, okay, they're going to sort of go back to the you know, the style of the first two matches where it's sort of like, oh, we'll do some things and, you know, see what happens. But it was another one where they just went nuts. And I just remember being like, whoa, this is like way better than I thought it would be. I thought it was great. I mean, the combination of the Takeda followed immediately by June Kasai. I was like, whoa, this is so good. And then, you know, five, six and seven, it was almost like, well, these almost can't follow. You know, you can't keep building at this rate, which they didn't really. But these two middle matches um, I just thought were great. Uh, part of the reason why Suzu Suzuki finished so high on my most outstanding list, but just a match that I really loved. So, Kelly, what is your number four match of the year?
2: Uh, funnily enough, this is a match that I went and back and rewatched yesterday. <laughs> Because I don't know if I just had a lot going on in July or whatever, but I, like, I was going through my list and I see this match at four and three quarters and I have I had literally no recollection of it at all. Uh, it was Arisa Nakajima versus Nene Takahashi from N- Nene Takahashi's 25th anniversary show. Uh, this match rules. They beat the ever loving shit out of each other in this match and it is awesome. I don't know how I forgot about this match, but I'm glad that past Kelly rated it so highly and made me go back and watch it because it's fucking awesome.
1: Well, my number four match is a match I remember very well, a match I really loved the Ice Infinity title match between Tsukasa Fujimoto and Ibuki Hoshi from Ice Ribbon, Ribbon no Kishi on September 18th of this year and just a match that I have so many, you know, I have such strong, as you said, like some of these matches, especially ones that were like very early in the year, you're like, Oh yeah, I remember really liking that. But what was exactly the, th- you know, sort of vaguely this, I remember specifically the, the hard hitting, the taking off of Fujimoto's like outer top gear to do the chops Like, it was just all-out brutal. Um,
2: I will never forget when the ref thought that Hoshi was, like, shooting on her and, like, ripping her clothes (laughs) off.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I just thought it was a match that I was like, oh, this rules from beginning to end. Um, And I just thought it's perfect. Sort of these matches near the top are, like, these are the matches where, like, this is what I want to see in wrestling. I just want to see people, like, go like go at it. There's so much to wrestling I enjoy that is just if it looks like people are really just, like, going for it, that is a big boost uh, in my mind, and they were certainly going for it in this match. So this was uh, my number four match of the year. Kelly, we're now in the top three. What was your number three match of the year?
2: Uh, my number three was the main event of the Gaiaism show. Uh, Chihiro Hashimoto, Dash Chisako, and Mika Iwata versus Meho Hoshizuki, Mio Momono, and uh, Rin Katakura. This match will have the best closing stretch that you'll see this year. Like the closing stretch of this match is incredible. The whole match is great, but specifically the closing stretch is just so, so good. Uh, I love this match. I went four and three quarters on it.
1: My number three match, I also went four and three quarters. It is from Gato Move Chaco Pro 89 on. February 13th, 2021, Asuka and Emmy Sakura against the best bros team of Bali Inaki and Aki and May Suruga. Um, just a great match. This is, this is one that's sort of the opposite, where I remember really loving this match, but I can't even really pull out specific moments. Uh, Kelly, do you remember anything about this match?
2: Honestly, I don't remember it much either.
1: It is, it, it was sort of the end, those first few months of 2021 was the end of, like, there was a period where I felt like every main event, I was like, this is great. This is, you know, I was like, this is amazing. This, they're firing on all gears. I mean, Asuka was really, has been good in all of her Chaco Pro appearances, uh, so maybe this is a teaching of saying, "Well, maybe I should go back in and and uh, watch this match." But yeah, I went you know, four from and a 10, ten on it. Yeah, ten months ago, or oh, just over ten when, months ago.
2: Um, Shida was in Japan, and they like was she like the ref for this match?
1: Oh, she may have been.
2: Like, I think this that, was right around the same time as the uh, the AEW tournament.
1: Yeah, that sounds yes. Yeah, because that's, I think, why Asuka might have been there because she yeah. was in the tournament. Uh, but anyway, one to go back and, and watch. <laughs> uh, or if you're listening, go back and rewatch the match and then uh, tweet at me at either Bomb Audio or Tamebo and tell me what was so good about the match. <laughs> uh, and,
2: why should anyway. I revisit it when I have you people to do it for me? <laughs>
1: anyway the kelly's number two match is
2: uh my number two match is emi sakura versus me from the Chaco pro live special show on august 9th uh, i went four and three quarters on this one this is sakura's last match before she headed off to america uh and she had it with her current top student me and this was just awesome you could tell it was Emmy really taking advantage of the unique setting that ChocoPro has. Just one last time, like they they did a lot of fun stuff. They went outside, you know. They used the mat, used the, just used the entire environment. Like it was the best kind of match that you can get out of that venue, and it it was just a lot of fun. It was very emotional, you know, because this is her last match for who knows how long, because she still hasn't returned. Uh. Awesome, awesome match. Can't recommend this one highly
1: enough. My number two match was from the very beginning of the year on January 11th, 2021, from Seedling, their opening match show. The team of retired Seri and currently injured Yoshiko going up against the best friends of... The OG best friends of Arisa Nakajima and Tsukasa Fujimoto. That Siri and Yoshiko team, it was so funny. I looked at my list and I was like, damn, I remember that Siri and Yoshiko team was so good. And we haven't seen them, either of them. Well, we haven't seen Siri for a very long time. Uh, but even Yoshiko has been out for so long. I'm like, yeah, this match was so great. It was during that run where Siri and Yoshiko, like, Started teaming together at the very end of 2020 and then, like, won the tag team. Was like the best tag team for like four months and then was like, well, now it's over. Yeah, time uh, to go to America, which was um, a big bummer. But this was uh, just a great match. I mean, best friends are, you know, I love Arisa Nakajima. As I said, Sukasa Fujimoto had a great year uh, just for incredible wrestlers going all out. Um, at a time when Siri was getting ready to leave. So it was like, leave it all out there. And that's what they did. Kelly, your number one, your match of the year.
2: We're down to number one. This is my match of the year. Iron Man match between Lulu Pencil and Chris Brooks from Choco Pro Live 137 on July 22nd. Uh, this match really just kind of made me grapple with the nature of star ratings and like can a match that isn't really up to the standards of the in ring stuff still be a five star match because it tells a perfect story because even the lacking in ring plays into the story because the story is that Lulu pencil kind of sucks like she's not good. And Brooks is trying to break her because of that. And it's it just, it's a brutal match. Brooks really just takes it to Lulu the entire time. And it's just a battle of perseverance to see Lulu finally get her first pinfall victory, I believe. In like all of wrestling. <laughs> Not just this match. But finally get the win over Brooks. And again, she didn't win the match but she got the victory that mattered and eventually got Chris Brooks's respect. Uh, I have four and three quarters on it. Really. I, I think I've changed my mind. It's a five star match. It's a classic in terms of storytelling and is my match of the year.
1: My match of the year is the all rights elimination. Six person tag team match from June 13th, 2021 at Gaiaism, decade of a quarter century, the main event. Uh, It was on Kelly's list a little bit lower, but this was easily my match of the year. The only Joshi match of 2021 that I went five stars on and an easy five star match. Um, As I said at the time when I reviewed it on the show, a match designed exactly for me to give it five stars, uh, (laughs) sort of this, you know, big, big lead up. It felt like a big moment. And then when they started wrestling, it was fast paced, hard hitting, you know, nonstop great finishing sequence. Um, I just thought it was an incredible match. Um, one that if you have not seen it, um, I would highly recommend go out of your way to find it an incredible match. Wish it would have, you know, maybe for Sendai Girls and Marvelous led to some bigger things. Unfortunately, didn't. But uh, it stands really, to me, head and shoulders above anything else from 2021. So that is my easy number one pick and my match of the year. And that is we have now covered all the categories. We've done it all. Uh, There's nothing else to
2: talk about in wrestling. It's over. We're shutting the doors for the year.
1: Well, as we said, uh, the podcast, we would, uh, as regularly scheduled, have a podcast in two weeks. We will not have a podcast uh, that week. We are taking that week off. Uh, But we will return as regularly scheduled at the beginning of January, we will be there to cover what I'm sure will be based on the last few weeks of Joshi an eventful time. We'll have shows to cover. We'll have the Tokyo Joshi, um, new year's one Four show. And I'm sure a bunch of other things to cover. I yes. just wanted to say, uh, before we sign off for the year, once again, I have to thank everyone. Who listens to this, who tweets at us, who uh, writes in the discord, uh, debates with us about uh, various things we say, or leaves a nice note. We, uh, and I speak for Kelly here, as I'm sure he feels the same way. We appreciate everyone who listens. um,
2: I I don't know why anyone would debate with us, though. Everything we say (laughs) is objectively correct. I, I don't, I don't understand.
1: Ah, uh, yes.
2: And now uh, that everyone's stopped listening, it's time for my <laughs> secret final award. Oh, It is the Rossi, Rossi Ogawa Memorial Award for Coolest Boobs. Uh, the committee has voted unanimously. The winner, Hoshi Tango. <laughs>
1: uh, I'm like, oh, should I cut this out? <laughs> Maybe.
2: Nope. Tango uh, wins the award once again. Uh, the committee is actually headed up by uh, John Moxley of all people.
1: Wow. Uh, well, that was quite a segue away from me thanking people for listening. <laughs> uh, Thank
2: you, everyone, for listening. I do, I do like all this, of you
1: to the show. Except for uh, that, except for will... you, you know who you are. Kelly, I, I hate to ask this. I worry to ask this. Do you have anything else to say before we sign off for 2021?
2: Um, not really. I got out my secret award. That's that's all I needed to do. Uh, just hope everyone has a good holiday, whatever whatever you celebrate, or even if you don't celebrate. Hope you just have a good couple of days. Uh, be nice to people and
1: stay warm if you're in a place that's cold. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at J-Bomb Audio. You can follow Kelly at Comic Geek Kelly and me at TayMainbow. Uh, subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice. And if that podcast app of choice happens to be Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. And if you're feeling extra generous, you can donate at redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping dash bomb dash audio. Uh, for Kelly, I am Taylor and we will see you next year.
2: Sick of being upsold at gyms?
1: My guy, you're currently a base member for
2: $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For 130 more, you'll be a Swoll member, and for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget.